Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high rise or low rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. This episode you're about to listen to has a few choice words. So if you're listening with your children in the car, earmuffs. Thank you. Welcome to Mom Jeans. Today we are going to be doing something a little bit different and we are going to be interviewing three mamas and their recovery story. Recovery from an eating disorder is certainly not a linear path, nor is there one way to tackle recovery. Each person's journey of recovery is as individual as their eating disorder. So we wanted to offer a space for three different moms with various backgrounds and recovery journeys to share their story and honestly discuss how becoming a mom added another layer to their recovery process. We are so grateful for their vulnerability, their strength, and their courage as they navigate busting diet myths, letting go of body image ideals, coping with their feelings without using food or behaviors, and showing up to their recovery day in and day out. We decided to split this episode into three parts so that each episode is each mom's separate story. I would encourage you all to listen to all three as each mom has a very important message to share. We have a new mom, an eating disorder professional and leader in the eating disorder field. We have a mom of two who has fought against biases and a lack of resources as she has tried to advocate for her recovery. And a mama of one who has jumped through many hurdles in her recovery journey and through these hurdles has found true peace. So we're just going to jump right in this week. So let's transition to these stories. Okay, so t- right now we are going to introduce Dr. Colleen Reichman. She's a licensed clinical psychologist practicing in Philadelphia. She works in her private practice, Wildflower Therapy. She has recovered from an eating disorder, and this experience sparked her passion for spreading knowledge and awareness that recovery is possible. She is now an eating disorder specialist and has worked at various treatment facilities. She's an advocate for intersectional feminism, body liberation, fat positivity, and health at every size. She speaks at national and regional eating disorder conferences and writes about body image and eating disorders at More Love Project, Project Heal, The Mighty, Recovery Warriors, Adios Barbie, and more. Find her online at ColleenReichman.com or on Instagram at Dr. Colleen Reichman. Well, welcome to today's little chat here. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we, we also have a little one joining us. We have a cute little nugget of Colleen's. So you may hear some baby squeaks and grunts. And this is real life, <laughs> Mama, here. He, he decided he had to be a part of this. So I love it. Well, welcome, little dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we're going to kick it off. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story of body acceptance and maybe any other info around that when your body struggles started, how you healed them, and maybe how becoming a mom maybe re-triggered them? Sure. Um, 
let's see, I'm trying to think about where to start. I think that um, I struggled with body image. I can't remember a time actually that I didn't really. Um, It started very early for me. I would say like middle school was when it started. Um, Like right around when I hit puberty and it was just, it took off um, because I was really tall really early and just like developed before everyone. So um, I definitely struggled from then on out with an eating disorder that kind of, I think I would say triggered everything that and low self-esteem and just this whole constellation of symptoms. Um, And that kind of went on. I struggled really intensely with an eating disorder throughout high school and then also college. Um, And I would say my body image there was no body acceptance at that time. It was just my body image was um, in the gutter and I just, I worked really hard to kind of detach myself from my body. Like I kind of voted it off the island. Um, And I would say when I got to graduate school, I had this like sort of, I felt like I was recovered enough when I got to graduate school and had made like, I call like a peace treaty with my body, I call it, where I was like, great. I'm not going to do this anymore, but like, there was no work on my part to accept it. It was just like a, like my white flag was up. Um, so I, and then grad school was a perfect sort of like place to relapse with all the pressure and just the Darwinian nature of graduate school in general, as I'm sure you both know. Um, so I definitely, um, relapse when I was there. And then I would say I dug myself out of that relapse. And that is when I, my body image started actually healing. And um, I think it was because I had a taste of like freedom and what it felt like to like help other people. And because I was going to graduate school to be a therapist, a psychologist. Um, So I, I had like this small taste of what it felt like to feel better. And that sort of sparked me to actually do the work to heal my body image and just my relationship with food. Um, and I've never been a per. I, it's never resonated with me personally, the messages of like really loving my body, the appearance at least. Um, the only thing that worked for me actually, and I know this is different for everyone, but for me, what worked was sort of saying, um, well, what's more important than my, how can I just sort of be neutral with my body and say like, I don't really have to love it. You know, I don't have to like, and same goes with like pregnancy. And right now I'm in the postpartum period. I don't have to love not fitting into my jeans, um, but I can sort of just work to accept it and then think about, well, is it really the most important part of my life? And when I'm 88 years old, do I want to look back and say like, you know, after I had my baby or um, when I was in graduate school, I dedicated 80% of my time to like fitting into this specific pair of jeans. Um, so that 88-year-old perspective is what helps me, I would say, heal body image. Um, and by the time I got pregnant, um, I thought I, w- I was in a really, I wasn't like a, a good place with body image. Like I just felt like it wasn't really something that I thought about a lot. Pregnancy was more difficult than I um, thought it would be actually. And I, looking back, I kind of realized I like white knuckled my way through it. Like I didn't. I didn't do work to like love my pregnant body or accept it. I like white knuckled it. And I was like, when's it going to be over? Um, I found it really unpleasant. I found it unpleasant to be, I felt like people stare at pregnant bodies. Um, 
which I didn't realize that people, it's almost like, I think people are just interested or something, but I didn't. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like I didn't realize that. And so I found that in itself unpleasant to walk out the door and have people just stare and make comments. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I actually found that worse and like harder in terms of body acceptance in this postpartum period has been just because now I'm so busy and I, I have him here and I worked so hard for him because we did IVF for so many years um, that I'm thinking like it's a little bit less of my mind space than when I was in, when I was pregnant. So I feel like I'm less white knuckling it and more like doing the work to say like, okay, I don't have to love um, like (laughs) new stretch marks or I don't have to love not fitting into my jeans, but um, I do have to like not let this consume my day, you know? So it's, it's like, it's definitely been a journey and pregnancy through a wrench and everything, I would say. I guess it just always does though. I don't, I don't know if it's possible to go through that, like grow a human inside yourself and not have it change like the way you, you know, you're feeling at the moment and then afterwards. So it's really ebbed and flowed. Do you think that wrench surprised you, especially since you had been kind of navigating body acceptance as far as the IVF piece? Yeah, I was very, I was definitely surprised by how much I disliked being pregnant and the wrench that I felt like it threw into my body acceptance. Um, I also, but IVF, I wasn't, um, there was like, you know, there's body changes that happen. It's just not as extreme. And I felt like I had more time to be like, okay, I'm taking this drug and this, my weight fluctuates in this way. And um, but I wasn't getting weight as much. I couldn't find an OB who wouldn't weigh. I didn't, I wanted to find someone who wouldn't weigh me. And they were like, nah, you have to be weighed during pregnancy. So I felt like constantly getting on the scale was a little bit like kind of, I don't know, it, it that was just like different mentally to navigate. And so it was surprising. I really was like, when I was going through IVF, I was like, I got this if I get pregnant. I'm going to feel like, I'm going to feel so thankful for that belly. And um, that's a really Pollyannish way that I was looking at it, I think, which is fine. I guess it's difficult to understand if you, before you get pregnant, how you're going to feel. There's no way. And I think that just how I su- like recommend people go through it is like, it's best if we don't have expectations, because if we do have those expectations, then that's really where it does kind of throw that wrench in. Um, especially if it's not going the way that we had expected. Um, but I appreciate you kind of being honest and saying, Hey, wait, this wasn't my favorite thing. Um, even though you're like, you work in the field and you guide people on body acceptance, it's like you yourself went through that struggle. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I feel like if you go through IVF and infertility, there's this added pressure to not like, oh, body image is silly and it's fluff and you're supposed to just be like forever grateful, which, which I was, I promise I was so grateful, but, um, there's like this added pressure to not admit that you struggle. Well, you're still and, a um, human, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, oh, exactly. But yeah, I think that's a good point. Cause it kind of circles you back to the body neutrality as a goal. 
you know, if we're constantly trying to navigate, like, should I feel really positive about this or is this negative? Like, maybe it's just neutral. Like, maybe every phase of body change is something that has lots of different feelings. And so the key is just to be like, I'm feeling the feelings. I'm feeling changes in my body. And my goal is going to be just to kind of continue to mentally, like, rise above those and keep it in its proper spot. Kind of like, I think of it also as, like, with wrinkles and aging. Like, I don't want to put pressure on myself or anyone that I work with to love wrinkles like and I I just feel like that's not really fair and also why are we like isn't it about rising above appearance anyway like because wrinkles are going to change they're going to get like deeper and we're always it's just not static so why not like make the goal to breathe through it accept it and not put pressure on yourself to fully embrace and love it um The same goes with like scars. My mom had a double mastectomy and she said people would sort of encourage her to be like, these are your warrior um, marks. And she was like, I don't like them. (laughs) Like, but I'm not going to, I'm going to work to not sit around and like hate myself, but I don't, I'm not going to force myself to love my, my mastectomy scars. That's like not fair to my, which I thought was like, I know it's a weird example, but it just reminded me of all of this. I think that's actually a good example because what we're talking about is like not denying that we all have these alternative feelings. Like we might have grief along with something else. We might have discomfort with something else. Like, so yeah, that neutrality like allows space for both the positive and the quote unquote negative feelings. Exactly. So how do you think you're navigating the recovery process differently now that you're a mom and being re-triggered or, or just having new thoughts? Um, well, I feel like I, I just feel so differently than when I was in the eating disorder. I was never like, I think I'm almost lucky in this way. I was never a quote unquote functional person with an eating disorder. I was like a mess and um, really unable to function in society and have relationships. So um, now it feels, it's very different than that. Like just having a little bit more negative body image. It's different than when I was in the eating disorder. Um, And I, I just... Yeah. So I think in general, because I'm not engaging in disorder eating, it's a little bit easier to navigate almost. Like I have the mental (laughs) capacity to sort of challenge thoughts in the morning when I look in the mirror and um, to even like, sometimes I, I know this doesn't work for everyone, but I like to sort of make myself laugh at the pressure to snap back and be like in your pre-pregnancy genes, um, given like it took so nine months was such a long time. Oh my God. And it was like, it was like a slow trudge forward and like to have this human grow in you for nine months. And, um, little Ezra here was nine pounds. So he was also just <laughs> a magnificently large baby. You're like, you are not gonna be a rubber band that snaps what? back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's so ridiculous. And it was like such a huge thing that happened. And my body was like working so hard. Like she worked so hard to help me. So I, I don't know. I just like sort of like to almost laugh at that pressure. It doesn't make it go away and it doesn't make it all better, but it does help to alleviate some of the um, tension that I feel. And I, as the dietitian in the group, I got to bring it back to that food piece. And you're like, you know, I'm not engaging in disordered eating and my brain's online. So it feels more manageable to cope with everything that's coming up. And so if you're listening out there, this is the importance of food. 
we have to nourish our body so we can nourish our brain. And if our brain is nourished, we have a better chance to challenge these negative thoughts. So please eat your food. <laughs> That's such a great plug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what's would you would you ever tell your kid about your eating disorder, your recovery journey? And if so, if not, why? Um, I have no choice in that matter because I've like um, blasted my shit all over the internet. <laughs> so like it's out there. Yeah, yeah. I because I've gone on podcasts and I also just I got really sick of trying to like I thought it almost felt and again to each their own, but for me to be like this eating disorder therapist and an eating disorder speaker and to like do this work but keep the fact that this was a decade of my life that I spent in that same place to myself. It just felt incongruent. So I decided to be pretty open about it. So he will know if he ever decides to look me up on the internet. And I kind of want him to know anyway, because I want to create a different environment and hopefully have him take like a different path if possible. And I want to like, I want, I want to be fully open about it. Um, And just because I want to be incorporating health at every size and um, body neutrality and acceptance and fat positivity into from like I'm trying to do it now I have like a, a body acceptance book like a children's little, like I want to do it from day zero so that um, things turn out differently I want to do everything in my power for that to happen and I don't think it's anything to be ashamed about it's like it was your journey and you've turned it into something that continues to help yourself and help other people and create a very safe environment for your little ones. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think I feel like when you have um, when you're able to sort again, I want to say to each their own. But for me, when I've been able to sort of just say that I had an eating disorder, almost in the same way that I'd say I had um, like a cold in the past, like sort of just more like this is a this is what happened. It's definitely not my identity. That's for sure. Like sometimes I almost forget how like awful it was. So it's certainly not my identity. It's an, it's a piece of history and it's a piece of me. But I feel like when you're able to say it like that, for me, that felt like a, like a, okay, I'm doing really well in this healing process. Like it doesn't have power over me right now. I just keep thinking of the word legacy, like the legacy that you want to be passing on is going to be a legacy of I'm hearing like authenticity and honesty and then also all these amazing like health at every size paradigms. Is that kind of what your thought is when you think about the legacy you want to be passing on based on your story and your journey? Yes, yes, definitely. And I'm a big believer in in interrupting like intergenerational trauma, like generations of women that have been, well, women and men in my family that have been sort of like past this you have to get smaller and smaller and so I really want the legacy to be interrupting that um having people take a different path and also allowing like him (laughs) to feel every feeling and not rushing to take any of them away from like sort of treating feelings as sacred and just giving more attention to them than um maybe my parents did or their which I think parents grandparents everyone in my family did their best but um you can't do better until you know better. So I think um, having like feelings be a little bit more sacred and important is something else that I want to try to weave in there somewhere. 
Well, what messages do you want to share to moms listening who are navigating this journey, this journey themselves with maybe negative body mentality, body image mentality, or disordered eating habits? Anything you want to share? Um, I would like to share, I guess, going along with the theme of feelings are important, that everything you're feeling is valid. Um, and it's all, it's important. And it's all it's it's just that feelings aren't facts so um you could feel like things will never get better that you'll never like overcome this disorder eating or that you're gonna pass things on to your children and things like that but feelings aren't facts and healing is always possible um and to just give yourself like so much grace and compassion in the postpartum period and actually during like i was saying during pregnancy and postpartum and just as a mom in general i feel like there's enough guilt (laughs) cultivated in the mom community by accident so um working to not guilt ourselves for having those feelings and um yeah that would be the main thing is just have compassion for yourself and don't pressure yourself to like love changes but also work to not have them know when they're taking when it's taking over the quality of your life and um and get there is help out there there's therapists that are wonderful with working with this and um, you deserve that. Well, thank you so much, mamas. I hope you heard that you need to have some compassion for your jeans with a G and your jeans with a J, especially those post baby jeans. <laughs> it's okay if you're still in the maternity jeans for a while, right? Dude, I still have some maternity pants that I wear because I love that elastic band. <laughs> yeah, they're so comfortable. So Why aren't all our pants? I don't know. Like I don't know. I'm like... I like the postpartum. Um, I like my nursing tank tops and bras still, and I haven't nursed in like three years. <laughs> like they're just they're they're comfier. Exactly. They stretch. Uh, I'm like, I'm still rocking them. No, no, yeah. Knows. I mean, <laughs> and the C-section. I got these special like C-section underwear, like the really high waisted. Uh, they, they have like lace on them to look cute, and I was like, I'm never going back. Like uh, I like high waisted, <laughs> yep. full coverage. Like this is so comfortable. Yeah. I'm sure our partners love this. It's all this. about comfort yeah. and function as exactly. a mom. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for doing the interview and, yeah, you know, being you. flexible even with the little one. I think, um, you know, we just appreciate when, you know, moms can be real on here and allow their kids to join. It's it's exactly what we, why we do this podcast. So thanks for, thanks for hanging. Yeah. Thanks, little thanks baby. Thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Thanks. This is great. Thank you, Mamas, for speaking to us here at Mom Jeans. We are so honored that you allowed us to share your stories. Don't forget to check out our social media pages so you can be connected to these amazing mamas and follow their stories. And if you ever want to share your story, please reach out to us at momjeansthepodcast at gmail.com. That's momjeans with a G. So our takeaway question for you is what steps do you need to take to get one step closer to healing and recovery? Because mama, you are worth it. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. 
You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.